Amen. Welcome, Crosspoint. You may have a seat. So glad to see everyone. What a blessing to be here and be able to lift up our voices to our Lord, who is indeed worthy of all of our praise. It's amazing. For those of you who might be fairly new to, to our congregation, we are glad that you are, that you're part of our, our congregation. Um, if you're fairly new, but you've been here maybe a couple of weeks at least, we uh, want to give you the final invitation to join us for our uh, lunch with the leaders uh, at noon today, after the Spanish service, uh, right around noon, we're going to have a lunch, and that is for the leaders, their families, mainly the the elders, we, not all the leaders, there's a bunch of people in the church that lead in different ways, but the, the elders, maybe a couple of other people that are ministry leaders will be there, uh, our families, and then we'll get a chance to get to know each other a little bit, uh, share a meal together, I think it'll be great. So uh, if, that's, if that's you, if you haven't been here for very long, we invite you to uh, join us for that today. And if you're also fairly new, I would invite you to go online, crosspointchristianchurch.com, and scroll all the way down our website. You'll find a really easy-to-fill contact form. What that does is once we have your information, you get put into a list where you'll be receiving especially our weekly newsletters. And I need to remind you, if you're not reading that, you're really missing out. I'm uh, always surprised that I'll say things like, hey, we're going to have a... uh, you know, are you ready for our seventh year uh, anniversary coming up, you know, special service? They're like, oh, when is that? Don't say that to me. You make me nervous. And you make it obvious that you don't read our newsletters uh, if you do receive. If you don't receive them, sign up. And then once you do receive them, read them. Read them. You're going to find out, boy, just as an example, last night, if you read that, you'll, you'll, you would have learned a little bit about Michelle, who was baptized last week. Why wouldn't you know? want to know what God is doing in, in our church, and then uh, about all the special events that are coming up. Um, there's some wonderful, inspirational, uplifting uh, writings that are usually done by Kathy Martinez um, and others. There's uh, sometimes interviews, so you get to, it's, it, I think it's really valuable, uh, and, and I think I would probably dare say that I know most of you more than anybody else, and I enjoy reading those newsletters and finding out uh, about what's happening, staying uh, you know, abreast of everything that's going on, and also just reading about some of you and the events that are happening. So make sure you do that. That is my uh, friendly reminder to you. Uh, we want you to be plugged in as much as possible. Also, speaking of plugging in, our growth groups are going on. We are doing some wonderful... I hope, you're, I hope everybody's groups are going well, as, as my, I'm really enjoying mine, and I want to encourage you to, to plug in with the group. Even if uh, you haven't, you kind of dropped the ball on it, uh, talk to me. We'll put you in a group that works so you can finish strong, even if you didn't start uh, strong. And um, uh, so I'll remind you once again, in two weeks, in two weeks, we plan on having one special service. It'll be a bilingual combined service. So we hope that everybody uh, comes on that day. I think it'll be a really special day for Crosspoint Christian Church. We're celebrating seven years of, of uh, existence as Crosspoint, and so we want to thank God for that. We want to have a nice lunch. 
one service at 10.30 a.m. So if you show up in two weeks and you never read the newsletters, you forgot, you're going to be here at 9 a.m. and thinking like, well, it's especially, you know, lonely today. We're going to put you to work. We're going to say thank you for being here an hour and a half early. You must be here to help us set up whatever. All right? So uh, keep that in mind. 10.30, bilingual service. You must, so you might see some new faces. Be friendly. Talk to people, especially if you're bilingual. Just say hi to everyone. We are a family. But that's our, our anniversary coming up. All right. If you walked in, as you walked in, you should have gotten one of these if you want to partake in, in taking communion with us. And what I want to do today is I'm going to start a, a series today, uh, three or four studies. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. But it's going to be on biblical servanthood. Biblical servanthood. Uh, we've been talking about uh, multiply our book, part of our curriculum in our growth groups, making disciples, serving one another here at church, serving the world with love. That's part of our simple discipleship process. And so what we want to do is as we encourage you to serve, we want to make sure that you're equipped and you understand what biblical servitude or servanthood is, is all about. All right. So uh, we're going to do that today. The title of this morning's message is True Greatness. We're going to read off of Mark 10, 35 through 45. And I want to use 1045 in Mark for our taking of communion. And so Mark 10:45 says, and this is a verse that I would love for you to commit to memory. This is our Lord Jesus Christ speaking about himself as he re- refers to himself as the Son of Man. And so it says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And this is the part that I want to emphasize for our communion. And to give his life a ransom for many. He came not to be served, but to serve. And part of that service was to give his life, his very life, as a payment for our deliverance. That's what a ransom is. When somebody is taken hostage, is kidnapped. And the kidnappers say, hey, you want your family member back? You want your loved one back? It's going to cost you $100,000. That's a ransom money. It's owed in order to rescue someone out of captivity. And I would love for us to really think about what that means to us or for us. As, as children of God, as born-again believers, it speaks of the fact that we have been set free. But it also needs to be a reminder of what we have been set free from. And it is often the case that many times our life doesn't translate into the type of life that brings honor and glory to God because we either either have never understood what we were taken out of or we forget. And so I would challenge you to ask yourself, where was I before Christ came and reached into the depths of my heart and transformed my life? If you're thinking like, I don't know, I've always been a good person, Mike, then... You don't understand. You at one time belonged to the enemy. You were slaves of sin. Held captive, literally, in a spiritual sense. And it is through Christ's giving of himself, through the shedding of his blood, that we are offered being rescued from that situation. And that's something that I can't even understand, beloved. 
I mean, I think about that and it humbles me and the little bit that I'm able to wrap my mind around that, that I am no longer there. I am no longer part of the kingdom of darkness like it says in Colossians, but I am now part of our Lord Jesus Christ's kingdom by God's grace and by what he did at the cross for us. And so even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And you and I, by God's grace, are part of that many. And so we get to celebrate and remember and proclaim what Jesus Christ has done for us out of his wonderful love. And so as you peel back the first layer, you take the bread unleavened, symbolizing the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ from which we partake. Let's do that together. You peel back that second layer, reveals the juice, which represents the body, sorry, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on our behalf at the cross of Calvary, our ransom payment. Let's take that together. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this beautiful morning. Thank you for everyone who's here, for those joining us online. We're grateful. As we lift up our voices to proclaim your worthiness and your greatness, your love, and everything else that we get to experience as your children, what a privilege to be able to gather and open up your word. Holy Spirit, we know you're here, and we trust in your power to transform our lives, to convict us of our sin, to encourage us to move forward and and be servants of yours. All for your honor and glory, Father. So I thank you for our brothers and sisters. I thank you for this time. I ask for your blessing. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. So let's, let's, uh, let's get right to it. I am excited to start this uh, series of studies having to do with biblical servanthood. Biblical servanthood. And uh, I am amazed I find it exciting, fulfilling to study God's word, to meditate in it, to, to realize that the more I study, the more I realize how little I know, how much more there is to, to understand. And so I, I know I'm a child of God, redeemed by his blood. I am saved by God's grace. And while, I, while I'm still here on earth, I'm also God's servant. I'm his child. And at the same time, I am his servant. And we want to develop what that means. To understand that as Christians, we also get to be servants of God and partake in his kingdom work. And what that means for you individually excites me for for me to be able to share with you God's word so that the Holy Spirit could open up your eyes and convict you and guide you into you exercising the gifts that he's gifted you with in order that the body would grow. To me, it's exciting. When I have people come and talk to me and say, hey, I want to serve. I, I don't know what it is, but I, is there something for me to do? I want to get involved. Th- those are always great signs of, of people moving in the right direction. And I've said this many times, and I'll keep saying it. You know, if you come to Crosspoint, nobody's expecting you to be perfect. It's not perfection, but it is direction. Are you 
pointing the right way? Are you moving in the right direction? And then I would say progression. Are you moving in that right direction? And some of us might be half a step ahead of you, and some of us might be 10 steps behind you, but are we all pointing towards Christ-likeness, and are we all moving in that direction? That's the important part. I hope that you're able to see your, your life, analyze it, and say, you know, a year ago, I would have acted so much different to this situation as I did yesterday about this. Are you able to see growth? You know, if you could say, two years ago I came to church, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't care about anybody in this congregation. I just wanted to come and listen. And now, I don't know what's happening, but I feel this love towards people. I want to serve them. I want to help them. And for me as a pastor to be able to see that in different people is, is such a blessing, to see God's transforming power in your lives, in our lives. And we get to do this together. And it's awesome because nobody's going to say like, oh, look, uh, on the, on, in the front, middle, or side, we have all the perfect ones that have already arrived. And then consequently, the farther you go back, the, it's not like that. It's all of us are broken, all of us are messed up, all of us are weird, but all of us, by God's grace, are here redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and we're moving forward towards Christ-likeness, and we get to lead some, we get to follow some, we get to hold hands with some, and we're all moving in the right direction, all for the glory of God. That I find that exciting, fulfilling, encouraging. And so what I want to do today is talk about True greatness. Who doesn't want to be great, right? I mean, I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be a great baseball player. I think that was my first official sport. Uh, when I came to the States as a 10-year-old, uh, when I was in Mexico, I played all kinds of sports. So I did play soccer in Mexico in a team, um, but it was, it was such a blast. I'll just tell you real quick. We, I spent so much time in the streets in Mexico, I don't even know what was going on over there. I asked my mom, she's like, she, she takes a fifth on that. I'm like, Mom, how come I spend so much time in the street? I don't remember that. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll take that. But I just remember hanging out with my friends all day in the street. And we used to play football. None of us knew football, American football. And, and none of us had a football. We made something. Uh, we made a football or something. And I just remember uh, we would, uh, on every play, we wouldn't move on until we did one big pile. Everybody jumped on the one pile and then, okay, Second down. I don't even think we had downs. We played everything. Uh, broomstick to play baseball with maybe a tennis ball, whatever we had, you know. And, and so when I came to the States at 10 years old and, and got into a baseball uh, team, I wanted to be great. And I was a pitcher, then I would catch. And of course I wanted to be great. And then I got into basketball. Of course I wanted to be great at basketball. And then I got into volleyball and wanted to be great at that. I just never wanted to be great at I shouldn't say that. My kids are here. <laughs> I wish I would have had that attitude towards school is what I was going to say, right? All right. That, 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 uh, I don't recall feeling wanting to be great in my academics. Uh, but I want to be great in sports. And our culture kind of tells us, like, be great at everything you do. And, and, and beloved, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying let's all be mediocre at everything that we do. But we do want to be careful in that we don't dedicate our lives into being or wanting to be great at something that doesn't really matter that has no eternal consequences. At the same time, I would say, you play sports, be the best at what you do for God's glory. You're a, a mechanic, electrician, 
plumber, preacher, teacher, whatever you are, yeah, be great and be the best that you can be at that for God's glory. But that's different from what our culture tells us, right? Many times our culture tells us, be great at this no matter what, whatever it takes, put your head down and just get on the grind and, and if your family suffers, if your life suffers, doesn't matter, as long as you're great at something. And, and I would say that's where the Lord would step in and say, you're wasting your time. Vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. Why are you living your life for that? And you fill in the blank, beloved, and we're all in danger of dedicating our lives into wanting to become something great at something that doesn't really glorify God. And at the same time, I'll say one last time, I believe you can glorify God through anything and just about everything that we do. Whether it's what you do for a living or where you're at at school, what school you go to, what sport you play, you know, what job you hold, you can honor God and be used by him right there where you're at. So true greatness, however, is what I want to talk about as we talk about biblical servanthood. And I'm excited today because what I want to do today as we get started in in a theme or in a series about servanthood, I, I think we all want to start at the same place, which is Christ as our perfect example. And so today what I want to lay out is say, we want to be servants of God. Well, let's be like the perfect servant who's our example, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to do today. I want to share with you about how Jesus is the perfect example of servanthood. And as we listen to a message like that, I hope that the Holy Spirit will do a work in you and kind of remind you, hey, if the Lord was a servant, what does that say about you? And how are you serving? How are you a servant of God? So I'm, I'm excited about that. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. The key verse, I'll repeat it again, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, Christ himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The main point is this. Our Lord Jesus deserves all glory for his greatness in perfect servanthood. Our Lord Jesus Christ deserves all the glory because of his greatness through perfect servanthood. Beloved, we are to be servants. That should be something that's in the front of your mind all the time. How am I serving? Waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, I want to serve you. Would you lead me? Who do you, what do you have in mind for me? What have you have planned? I want to step into that and serve as our Lord Jesus Christ did. Last week, we talked about church growth, right? We talked about church growth and how the church is going to grow when every member does its part. When every member does its part, the body is going to grow. The church is going to grow. The church in general, but also the specific or the local congregation here at Crosspoint, when everybody does its part. And when we say everybody does its part, we're really saying when everybody serves in whatever capacity God has uh, equipped you for, when we all serve the body will grow. The body will function at its peak. Our simple discipleship process, as a form of introduction here, our simple discipleship process calls for it's three parts, right? Experience God through worship. That's what we're doing here. Please be constant. Get here early. Hang out. Get to know people. For those of you online, we encourage you to, as much as possible, start joining us online. November 14th will be a great time to make that switch and just start joining us in person. Uh, We want to have everybody here. So experience God through worship. 
And then the second part is commit to spiritual growth in growth groups and small community. And then the third part is to serve the world with God's love. You know, being servants. We experience God, we grow spiritually, and that culminates in us serving one another, serving our neighbor, serving the world with God's love. That's it. If we do that, we believe God will honor uh, our, our efforts here at Crosspoint and will bless us with, with uh, people to disciple. So let me, look at, let me read to you Mark 10, verses 35 through 45. I'll give you a little bit of context. Boy, these disciples. Mark chapter 10. This is towards the end of our Lord's life here on earth. And he's actually speaking to his, prior to, to verse 35, he's speaking to his disciples and he's literally telling them how he's about to be betrayed, spat upon, and, and ultimately killed, crucified. He's pouring his heart and he's letting them know the, 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 this terrible physically thing that's about to happen to him. And you would imagine that the disciples would say, oh man, no, let, let us help you. Let's, how do we encourage you? How do we support you? But instead, we have this. Mark 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What? And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right and the other on your left in your glory. Yeah, 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 you're about to die and suffer. Terrible, terrible. But let's talk about us, shall we? And boy, aren't we like that? Aren't we like that? Yeah, Lord, I know you died for us. And yay, the Father turned his back on you at the cross. But, but let's get to the good stuff. How are you going to benefit me? And that's exactly what's happening. Verse 38, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? They said to him, we are able. They didn't know what they were talking about. Verse 39, they said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with you, with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those to, for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, so this was two of the disciples, right? But when the other ten disciples heard the conversation, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, let me pause right there. So if you could try to imagine the Lord is speaking to his disciples, hey, I'm about to be betrayed, spat upon, crucified. Then James and John, was it? They come to the Lord and say like, yeah, yeah, but what about us? And then when the other 10 disciples hear what they're asking, they begin to get angry. And now you have a, now instead of supporting the Lord and encouraging him, now they're fighting amongst themselves, so the Lord says, okay, pause, time out, huddle, huddle. And he begins to say, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. So he's, he's about to give them a very important lesson on servitude and leadership and true greatness. He says, out in the world, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet, it shall not be so among you. He's making a comparison and saying, the type of leadership that you see in the world is not the type of leadership that needs to be exercised in the church, in my kingdom. He says, but, who, but whoever 
desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And I pause to allow the Holy Spirit, not that he needs my permission, but to give you a chance to meditate on that. The Lord himself says, you want to be great? You need to be a servant of all. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. And then verse 45 comes in under that context. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. True greatness is found as we lay down our lives for others. And we should want to be great. But not the great that glorifies yourself, but the kind of great that brings glory to God. That people would say about you strange things. Hey, I want you to be my co-worker. I think he's a Christian. What does that mean? I don't know, but he's just weird. He's always helping. When they ask for volunteers at work, he doesn't do the no eye contact thing. Like, oh. You know, we're looking for a person to, and everybody's like, oh. How are you with that? You know, if you've been in church for a while, you realize that we are to be servants, right? And I read this book one time. It's called, um, I don't remember what it's called. Probably Spiritual Leadership. And I remember this quote from it. It said, as Christians, everybody wants to be called a servant of God, but nobody wants to be treated like one. I mean, as Christians, we probably realize that to be called a servant of God is actually quite the honor. But oh boy, to be treated like a servant, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm not your servant, you know? Hey, can you help us with the chairs? Well, who do you think I am? Don't you know who I am? I know Mike. What are you talking about? Start stacking double chairs in that case. Beloved, let's not be ridiculous, and let's not ever get into playing church. Let's not play church. Let's be servants of the Lord, and when we do that, when we commit to serving God by serving one another and serving the world with God's love, we will be amazed at what he does in us and through us, and that's exciting. We can't have arrogant proud, conceited people in the church. You shouldn't be one of those. You should be a servant, a servant to all. Why? Because Jesus was a servant to you, to you. I hope you've made that personal connection with the Lord. You know, did he die for the sins of the world or did he die for your sins? Did he serve the world or did he serve you? And when I think about the fact that they were my sins that had him at the cross and that he served me and that when he talks to his disciples about those in the future that will believe, he was talking about me, beloved. Then what should my attitude be towards him and towards you? If he were here, which he is through us, he will be serving one another like he did in John 13. 
If something needed to be done, he would do it. He wouldn't even ask you to do it. He would do it. And I love that. And that's how we should be. This should be such a strange group of people. And I, I'm so grateful for those of you who, you know, for those of us that are starting to understand that. And to me it translates as, if I'm carrying something, this might seem ridiculous to you, if I'm carrying something, a couple of chairs, there's always one person that'll come and say like, hey Mike, let me carry that for you. I'm like, well, I could carry it, but thank you. And I'll let you. So I'm also not that weird, I'm, I'm sure I'm weird in many ways, but I'm not that weird pastor that does, is not gonna allow you to help me. No, 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 I got it. No, I want you to take the chairs from my hand, not because I don't wanna carry them, and not because I can carry them, because I wanna see God working in you. And I'm grateful for the people that are often coming and saying, Mike, what do we need? What do you need? How are you doing? And not because of me. I mean, I want that for you to behave towards each other. All of us, not just the people you like, not just the people you've known for a long time, not just the people that reciprocate that to you. I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about to the least of these. We should be willing and excited to serve one another. Imagine that. We're always trying to outserve one another for his glory. No, let me do it. No, 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 I got it. All right, both of you guys get it. Let's go. Let's, let's get it done. And there's a lot of work. We've talked about that. There's lots to do. If you want to get a glimpse of what that looks like, come at 1135 and see how all of this stuff that's set up gets put away. If you've never seen that, 1135, just come. You could stand at the door and act like you're doing something, but just watch. And you're going to see 20 people Nobody telling them what to do, working like little busy bees, putting everything away. I've yet to see a bad attitude. I've yet to see conflict. That's not how you fold that table. You fold it like this and watch it. I don't see that. I don't see that. If I see that, we'll kick you out. Like, nah, nah, go home. Come back next week with a better attitude. We don't need you. You want to see that? Come on Thursday at 11.20 to our food distribution. You're going to see about 8 to 12 Crosspoint members serving our community with a good, positive, uplifting servant attitude, giving food away to people in our community and meeting people and praying with people and just serving people. I love it the people that make the coffee for you in the morning, the people that set up, the, the AV team, everybody that I mentioned last week, right? I mentioned all these different ministries and how many people more or less are involved in those and how everything gets done because everybody's putting their, 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 their effort. It's awesome. And I want to encourage you to get involved, to get involved for the glory of God and for your benefit. All right. I better start my three points now that I have. So our Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect example of greatness because of his, I know that's a long phrase, but I want to talk about, I said I wanted to, to just speak of our Lord and why or how it is 
at least superficially on my end, to be able to share with you how it is that he is the perfect example of greatness because he's a perfect example of a servant. So, our Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect example of greatness because of his, point number one, willful humility. Willful humility. And I say willful because you know what happens to us arrogant people? I was going to say you arrogant people. Us arrogant people, if we, if we don't humble ourselves, you know what the Bible says? He who humbles himself will be exalted, and he who exalts himself will be humbled. By who? By God, beloved. And I'm not saying that everything, quote unquote, bad that happens to you is God humbling you, but I'm not about to make that determination. But God can certainly humble us. God humbles us. And so it's best for us to humble ourselves willfully rather than having him humble us. That's a scary thought. I don't know about you, maybe you're perfectly humble, so no need to worry. But for those of us who still see some ugly remnants of arrogance and pride, we should be scared. And we should ask the Lord to help us before he needs to humble us in his own special way. And when he does humble you, when he does discipline you, talks about in Hebrews, nobody likes to be humble and nobody likes to be disciplined. But as children of God, we should be grateful that God cares enough about us to humble us and discipline us rather than not caring about us and just letting us be. Willful humility. And we're going to focus on verse 45. So the first portion of verse 45, I believe, speaks of Christ's willful humility. He says of himself, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if anybody ever in the history of humanity deserves to be served, it's me. That's what he's saying. Even the Son of Man... If anybody deserves to take a position and say, okay, now you serve me, it is Christ who deserves that. And if he did that, he will be perfectly within his right to do that. To just sit back and say, you serve me. But he says, even I, the son of man, did not come to be served that speaks of his willful humility. He deserved to be served, but he's saying, I'm going to put that aside. And I'm not here to be served. We need to be the same. I don't often quote Rick Warren, but Rick Warren in his book, I think it's uh, probably Purpose Driven Life. If, and he, he says, uh, humility is not... Thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Did you guys get that? I'll say it again. Make sure I said it right. <laughs> Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. The Lord didn't come and say like, oh, I'm not any. He's like, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of Man. I know exactly who I am. But even knowing who I am, I'm not going to lessen that for you. I'm just going to say, I know who I am. I know what I deserve. And I am willfully putting that aside. 
so that I can serve you. So for us, you don't have to act like you're not a CEO out there. You don't have to act like you're not a good basketball player, volleyball player. You don't have to act like you're not a good administrator, a good boss. We have a lot of talented people here. You don't have to act like all of a sudden you're not very intelligent because you are. You don't have to come to church acting like you're nothing. Yeah, without Christ, we're nothing. We understand that. But you could say, man, you know, God has given me a great life. He's blessed me with this and that. And I'm grateful, but I want to put that aside. And even if I'm a multi-millionaire CEO of this company or whatever, I'm one of you. I'm not any better than you. I don't have to act like I'm not this or that, but despite the fact that I'm that, by God's grace, I'm going to put that aside and I'm going to willfully humble myself and I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. I'm telling you, beloved, at work, I got to tell you, you better not be the one that hogs up all the donuts when they bring them, right? Somebody brings donuts like, hey, all right, one more for me. Or the first one to leave or the first one to do that. Like, we should be, we should be uh, servants, not just at church. I, I hope you serve at church, but at work, in your team, in your sport, in your recreational time with your friends, you should be the servant of all. Willful humility. And humility, beloved, is the opposite of pride and arrogance. And that's something that we all struggle with. If you're thinking like, I used to be proud and arrogant, but 20 years ago, I took care of that. Uh, I, I believe things like this are things that we carry in us forever. And, and again, not perfection, but direction and progression. And as Christians, we should be the most humble people. Let's see. Wow. I'm just going to mention Matthew 11, 28, 30. But if you're taking notes and you want to look at Luke 22, verses 24 through 27, the Lord says something similar. But in Matthew 11, 28, verse, Matthew 11, 20 through 30, the Lord says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's saying, imitate me. I am humble. I am the eternal, holy, perfect God. And even I did not come to be served. I have to read Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. I know I mentioned this portion a lot, but there's a good reason for it. Let this mind, Paul says, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, willful, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Paul is saying Jesus humbled himself to the max. He is a perfect example. Our Lord Jesus Christ is a perfect example of greatness because of his willful humility. And point number two, his costly sacrifice. So verse 45 in Mark 10, 45, that second, the middle portion of that verse says, let, sorry, but to serve and to give his life. So he says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life. He didn't just come to clean tables and stack up chairs. That would have been amazing that the God of the universe was doing that. But he came to serve to the max, to the point where he's willing to give up his life, his very own life for us, for you. We cannot understand that. We cannot understand that. We would have a hard enough time giving up our life for our most loved one. I know we'll say like, oh yeah, I'll die for my kids and I'll die for my wife. And maybe we will, I hope we would. But very few of us actually get to do that. But I think that will be hard enough. What God did for us, beloved, is not even a comparison. Think of the Garden of Gethsemane where the Lord is sweating big drops of blood because of the anguish that he's under, understanding what he's about to face at the cross. Not just the physical, but the emotional, the relational Isaiah 53, let me read that, verses 3 through 7, in speaking about his costly sacrifice. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Speaking of his willful humility, but also speaking of his costly sacrifice is part of what makes him a perfect servant and the greatest ever. Galatians 2.20, just to bring that home. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I hope we can all say that. I know that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. Let me get to the third point. So our Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect example of greatness because of his willful humility, his costly sacrifice, and his unconditional generosity. The end of verse 45 in Mark 10 says that he gave his life as a ransom for many. There was a reason why he died at the cross, and that was in order for him to be able to grant us and offer us and give us forgiveness of sins and eternal life. To me, that speaks of his unconditional generosity. Why unconditional? Is it because everyone's going to be saved? I don't believe the Bible teaches that. It's unconditional because none of the, those of us who are saved deserved any of this from him. None of us who are saved by God's grace deserved any of this from God. And yet... His generosity is unconditional. 
John 1.16 says, For his, from his abundance, this is the NLT, from his abundance we all have received one gracious blessing after another. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And then Romans 5, 8 says, says, for God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Unconditional generosity. He is the perfect example. He is the perfect image of true greatness. If you want to be great, he said, you need to serve everyone. Are you willing? You know, how do you know when you're part of a cross point? When do you, when, how do you know when you are a cross pointian? I mean, is there a form? Is there like a ritual? And I would say, like, I would put it like this I believe cross point is a giving church. And at one point you came to see what you would receive. And hopefully you all come and you receive. You receive the word, the fellowship. But you, you had this mentality of like, okay, what's in it for me? And then eventually I see a change in you where you become from this taker to all of a sudden you're like, I want to give. Whether it's financially support the ministry or whether it's, hey, I, I noticed that the church needs this. Can I pay for that? Uh, hey, I, I heard you guys need helpers. Can I help? And see, when you become the giver, I believe is really when you truly become part of Crosspoint. When you stop just being an observer and somebody who's taking, but you become a giver, a doer, a servant at Crosspoint, then you are part of Crosspoint Christian Church. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful for all of you. I know we're all in different places in our life, but I want us to understand that true greatness, which we all should strive for, is not what the world dictates, but what God says. We become great in God's eyes when we willfully serve him by serving one another and serving the world. Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us this time. Thank you for your word. And Father, we pray for forgiveness. We know we've we've lacked in this area. And I pray for all of my brothers and sisters here and online and those who will be watching via recording. I pray that you would help us to be more like your son to serve one another, to serve you, and to serve the world around us for your honor and your glory. Thank you for the perfect example of greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ as he became a servant to us all. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.